We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome on in. This is the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast for Thursday, November 3rd, the week nine. Fantasy football preview show. John McKechnie, Mario Puig here, running through every single game on this slate from all the fantasy angles that you could possibly want, possibly need. A lot to get to today, a lot of injuries, a lot of teams on by, a lot of tough lineup calls to get through. Let's get it rolling. Welcome on in. This is the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast presented by our friends over at No House Advantage, John McKechnie and Mario Puig, kicking it with you on this Thursday. Uh, Mario, how did your uh, week eight shape up and, and uh, how are you looking forward to uh, this this coming slate of games? Uh, I don't know. I didn't look I don't look at my best ball teams uh, during the season, but uh, I'm, I'm not really looking at this week either uh, for what it's worth but we it's going to happen anyway this uh this week despite the the sort of by mageddon i wasn't overly active uh on the free agent wire i think that some of the trendier names in pickups this week are, are not overly worthwhile obviously some leagues you're going to be a little bit more pinched uh than others uh, but at the same time i, I didn't think that most of the the trendy guys were, were really worth picking up uh, I did pick up Sam Ellinger in a two QB league last week and uh, was disappointed to see how Indianapolis used him. It's like, well, he can't throw, but he can run. It's like, well, we're going to make him throw and not have him run. So, well, great. Well, yeah, who could have seen that going badly? Uh, Washington accommodated almost literally every offense they saw before that. And then Frank Reich, a brave man, as it would turn out, uh, didn't, I didn't realize just how how solid of a dude Frank Reich is that uh, he he's, he's going to get fired anyway because he sh- should be fired because he sucks. And uh, he's not dumb enough to not know that, you know, like I'll, I'll maybe let him be some level of dumb, but it's not a level high enough for him to believe. Like if I just fire Marcus Brady this week, I think we can get back on Jim Irsay's good side in uh, whatever the, the three more weeks or whatever we're buying ourselves with that. Uh, and, and then, then we'll just, you know, ride out the, this, that storm there and, and 
everything will be fine next year, and then we'll really build something. No, dude, you're, you're getting fired. Stand up for your offensive coordinator. Versa is like just call, calling you like at, at 4 a.m. Like, we got to fire someone. Then you fire me, uh, Jim, because, yeah, he's, he's giving him Marcus Brady. Like, what is that going to do? Like, you just yeah, suck. So, um, so, yeah, anyway, if they had used Ellinger as a runner, they would have found passing easier, and instead they called – uh, one kneel down in the first half as his only carry. So, ta-da. Yep. Uh, smash cut to Ursay like, uh, sniffing a, a, a guitar case that used to belong to Stevie Ray Vaughan. And then he's like, uh, you know what? There's, someone's getting fired for this. Um, but anywho, let's go ahead. Uh, let, we'll stay in the AFC South a little bit. Um, we are going to kick things off. Again, we're, we're getting through every single game on the slate this week. Six teams on a buy, but that just allows us to get a little bit more in depth on the 13 games that we do have. Although I don't know how much depth we need for this. Finding one. So many good things, the more we dig uh, so, uh, so many competent organizations with a variety of uh, skills to offer us. It, it's uh, it's, it's not the, not the best product that the league is putting out this year, but, but we digress. We got a Thursday night game between the undefeated, Philadelphia Eagles going down to Houston to face the Texans. And uh, they said on the World Series broadcast last night, Mario, that this is the seventh time that two cities have had their NFL teams and uh, playing each other uh, while their uh, baseball teams were facing off in the World Series. I thought that was a fun fact. That is a pretty fun fact, uh, I guess more so for Philadelphia's side. Uh, I, I know they lost that that game, the baseball game, but uh, they're not going to lose the football game. Uh, nope. Somewhat lower stakes, I suppose. <laughs> Two touchdown uh, spread, full 14 points. So that's probably correct. I mean, it looks like Brandon Cooks isn't going to play or it's not looking great at the moment anyway. Nico Collins was already out. They already were leaning on, what, Philip Dorsett two weeks ago. So it looks like they might have Chris Moore and Philip Dorsett starting at receiver. And Moore had been, not that this makes any sense, Moore had been previously their slot receiver, and they kind of used him underneath, of all things. And, John, I'm assuming you remember Chris Moore at Cincinnati. Boy, uh, do I. In Baltimore. Opposite. Yeah. Oh, in Baltimore, yeah. Um, I don't know why he, his NFL career has gone this way, but I, I know he's not built to play slot receiver in the NFL, not underneath anyway. Like, the guy averaged 20 yards a catch over four seasons at Cincinnati and scored a touchdown, like, every four catches – so of course Houston's like, what if we, what if we made you like a curl route guy in the slot? Um, so whatever the case, they're they're gonna have to try out something like that. Maybe Tyron Johnson as their third receiver, but you also might see as more as their third receiver in function, uh, tight end three in name. Jordan Aikens might might be the guy to take those snaps. So. Uh, Aikens is someone to keep in mind and those uh, showdown slates, uh, not to skip those other guys. They all have their respective cases, but yeah, no cooks, no Collins. It seems like a good time to put the Texans on shutout watch. Uh, Jordan Davis is out for the Eagles, which sucks, but I don't think they need him at all. Uh, they, they, they got enough. They got enough ways to hurt the Texans on offense. And then the Texans defense probably can't do anything. They're probably uh, as bad as ever at the moment. Because they just they're, they're on the short week and they just got 32 carries of Derrick Henry. So, yeah, that they they are uh, 
in the in the butcher world, they would say that they're tenderized. That the Texans defense is, and uh, I guess marinated as well over yeah, they're, several they're days, stewing and juices, baby. But um, when it comes down to to looking at the spread for this game, obviously super bleak looks for uh, for Houston here. But my my one kind of inkling is that Philadelphia has pretty extreme first and second half scoring splits. They're first in the NFL in scoring in in the first half 21 they're averaging 21 points in the first half every game it's it's pretty insane but famously that they, they kind of and understandably so they, they take their foot off the gas a little bit in the second half i think they're 27th uh in second half scoring just because they haven't had to really keep scoring so do you think that with that in mind and the you know the spread checking in at, at 14 points at some spots there's some way that the texans can claw their way to a backdoor cover or a push? Uh, well, Tyron Johnson, I think, can be a good downfield receiver in the NFL, but I don't know if Davis Mills really hits that part of the field. Kind of imagine any way of the Texans moving the ball involving uh, eating up a lot of clock also. So they if, if they're moving the ball in the first half, I guess not not to say something so obvious is like, well, if they move the ball all game, they, they're more likely to cover. Obviously, it's good to move the ball as much as possible in the game. But I mean, specifically, they need to do it in the first half, because I feel like if the if the Texans don't move the ball until the second half, uh, maybe when the Eagles put in their backup defenders or something like that, then even in that case, they're probably eating up like half of the clock in that quarter to get a touchdown drive. So. I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, I expect three touchdowns in the first half alone from the Eagles, and I don't expect them to get shut out in the second half. Like again, the Texans' run defense was already pretty much zero resistance, and now they're on a short week. And I, I don't think having to deal with Henry that many times is is likely to to make the healing process any faster. You know, so uh, I, I think the Eagles do score in the second half. I think the reason they maybe the reason they haven't done it so much in the past is just because they don't really have like a power runner. Like they don't have a clock killing running back. The closest thing that they have is Miles Sanders. Who's, you know, he's between the twenties back. He, he's, he's a 210 pounder. Uh, but the Texans run defense is so bad that even when they're selling out against the run to get the ball back in the second half, I don't think they're going to be able to stop the Eagles. Even if it's like Boston Scott running the ball. Um, so on the other side, uh, we may or may not be uh, getting gaslit right now, Mario. Um, there, there's uh-huh. some <laughs> some uh, notes that uh, we we said that Rex Burkhead was going to be starting all season. I, I'd love to uh, you know go back into the archives and find where we said that Rex Burkhead was going to be starting all year. Uh, I think we we definitely did say that there there'd be a chance that Burkhead would be annoying early in the season, uh, and he was. Right, what I said was uh, Rex Burkhead over Marlon Mack. Uh, sorry for getting that right uh but uh yeah we were, we were we both were of us have a lot from, of damian pierce i, mean, I believe I, we wrote stuff you can find it uh it's it's not up to my or your interpretation and we we said certain things about damian pierce and uh none of them were to the effect of burkhead is better um nope. but that's uh that's a crack shot special we call that one and uh we, we do for you it. Know, pr- prime time crack shot we love it um, anything else to, to dig into fr- from this game before we move on to this? Oh, Sunday Pierce slide? should have a pretty decent game. I mean, he's, um, if they, if they face him out, it would be like, they have to go to Burkhead and Daria Gumba Wale and you can't really run with either of them. So 
if the if the Texans so much as call second half carries, Pierce could get those. So he could get four quarters of work, even if uh, the Eagles are getting kind of blown out. Because the alternative is they don't run more than like three times in that half. Okay. All right. That that definitely. And you can't throw on the Eagles, so it's like if no. they, if if the Texans get like 150 yards from scrimmage, uh, Pierce is probably like 80 or more of that or something. Yeah, P- Pierce is really the only thing uh, existing on that offense, especially with, with Nico Collins and Brandon Cooks uh, both being sidelined. Um, going to have to start Davis Mills out of necessity in in, the, in said two QB league. So as you can imagine, things not going super well over there. Um, but anyway, let's move on over to Sunday. Uh, we got a fun one here in Atlanta. We got the Falcons playing host to the Chargers who are coming off the bye. The Falcons just played a really exciting game. On Sunday against the Panthers, that obviously was crazy. Um, but one we're, we're entirely at, on merit, John. They they <laughs> earned that one. There is no, there is nothing goofy going on in that one. Um, but the Chargers are three point favorites in this one. Uh, total checks in at forty nine and a half. Uh, but the Chargers n- not too dissimilar in a sense from from Houston in the uh, in in the way that. Uh, they are really, really hurting as far as their pass catching personnel to the point where I'm excited a little bit about DeAndre Carter this weekend. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I guess we'll have to see what exactly the Atlanta secondary is looking at. Like if AJ Terrell is back and it's not looking that great, I suppose, like he didn't practice Wednesday. Uh, if AJ Terrell is back, that changes quite a bit. Not not so much that he's going to like remove any one particular person, but uh, the Falcons can give a lot of help to the other two or three corners when AJ Terrell is out there. Whereas when they don't have Terrell, everybody needs help and they have to just kind of play like a bend, but don't break and still probably break style of defense. So uh, it's normally the case that the chargers are so profoundly slow on offense, even at full health. And I would also say even at full health, kind of lacking just general pass catcher ability. It's like there's there's Allen, there's Williams, and not a whole lot else. So no Williams, maybe no Allen even now. Like he didn't practice Wednesday. That's got worse during the bye. This is just it's so chargers. I'm hurts. sorry, did they they clarify that it got worse during the bye? That's what he said. How did that even, how do you do that? Uh okay. I don't know. Well, um, I, I, I don't I don't know what is going on with that, but that doesn't sound encouraging. So uh, in any case, John, if AJ Terrell is out, even if he's not the guy who would normally cover DeAndre Carter, it's still good, I think, for DeAndre Carter because it just it ups the chance that whoever's covering him doesn't have as much help uh, as they would if, if Terrell were in because Terrell doesn't need any help. So uh, I think, uh, and I hate how you know the the charges pass catcher group is just not very good and, and of course worse in light of the injury but uh, I think the Falcons pat uh, the, the the Falcons defensive backs are bad enough uh, slash beat up enough themselves and Herbert such a good quarterback that even in even these Chargers receivers these backups even should be fine for this game if it was almost any other defense and even if Terrell's in I start to worry a little bit um but yeah, the, against these backup Falcons corners, like even guys like Palmer and Carter, and uh, I, I love how just deeply unserious about managing the uh, Chargers roster, the, their GM slash Staley are. They still have Jason Moore being called up in 2022. This guy is like 28 or 27, and I don't know if he's caught an NFL pass 
in like six years with the Chargers. Like, how do you wow. not find someone better than that? Anyway, maybe even Jason Moore can make a play against these backup Falcons corners. I I don't know, but I can't imagine Herbert getting rocked in this one. It just it seems impossible. J- Jason Moore, shout out Findlay College, Finley College. Hope I'm not is that like in that. Europe or something. What is that? I don't know. I remember in high school we played against some school called Findlay Prep, so that must have been you know where, where they fed into. But um, you went straight from high school to uh, the Chargers practice squad. That's the pipeline, man. That, that that's what that is. Well, yeah. Um, anyway, they uh they got a bunch of bum- Gerald Everett. I guess could have a good game here because uh, he kind of does wide receiver stuff for them a lot of the time. Uh, Parham, some <laughs> Herbert will make it work. And do do we think that th- this could be like a forty point game from Austin Eckler? Right. Uh, I always forget to address him because he's such a free space. Uh, we have him as RB one this week. I he's. Yeah, I don't just, know why he would. Uh, I don't know why he would go under thirty exactly. Yeah. So it it's going to be bonkers for, from him uh, this week. O- on the other side, uh, the the great question of our time, as always, was. Uh, was last week the start of the Kyle Pitts breakout? Kyle Pitts has been awesome for his own part the whole time, and I know no one cares because that that doesn't matter in fantasy. Uh, The frustration is totally understandable, but it's just one of those things like, you got to understand that it it was for reasons that don't have to do with him. So whether he continues also has to do with things that he has no control over. I think that the Falcons offense was working toward a new equilibrium, uh, you know, relative to, to before last week, you know, they were working towards something where the defense finally starts defending the run the way they're supposed to, you know, finally uh, understands that the Falcons are not going to play 2022 offense the way other teams do. So you got to pull up another safety. And until you do, they're going to just keep doing this wishbone thing into the teeth of the defense and just straight up say like, we are going to wear you down. We're going to tire you out and then we are going to run past you uh, until you put that other safety up and stop trying to, you know, mostly deal with pits and to a lesser extent London. So I think last week was an example of what happens when a defense is finally like we got to st- we can't let Mariota get the corner. We can't let, uh, you know, Algier and Huntley combine for 35 carries. And they're starting to defend as if they are trying to meet those goals rather than defend as if starting at the outset of the goal of just stop Kyle Pitts and the rest will work out. You know, like that was the plan and it's not all working out for Atlanta's opponents. So if they adjust and if they play more like the the Panthers did, then I do think Arthur Smith will take that. I think he'll dial that up for Pitts. But uh, if people want Arthur Smith to start at the outset, like we got to get Pitts going and and that, you know, from that point, we, we will negotiate the, the offense's particulars. Like that's not going to happen. He's he's going to just take what he thinks the defense is giving him. So, do we think that this ends up being like the the, the Chargers put Derwin James on uh, they Kyle should. Pitts? They absolutely <laughs> should. Uh, I don't know why. I literally cannot imagine what else he would be doing unless <laughs> he was on Pitts. Okay, like, so th- this might London, be a tough one for for Pitts then. It could be. I will say if the usage is there, I will take Kyle Pitts against anybody, but uh, they'll only take the usage if the Chargers are making everything else more difficult. And incidentally, the Chargers run defense is pretty bad, so Arthur might find things a little easier on the ground in this one. Um, if, if you know, we saw that, that Cordero Patterson returned to practice 
on Wednesday. Um, but that that just opens a 21 day window for for his potential return. So probably not expecting him to be out there. Do you have any interest in DFS or you know in deeper leagues, leagues where you're hurt by the bye uh, in Algier or Huntley? Yeah, both of those guys. I mean, Huntley. I don't. Maybe he just was one of those guys who had an outdoor pro day in the rain and the wind or something. But uh, he's playing better than any four seven eight forty running back I can remember. Uh, it's it's improbable that he. Uh, keep producing I guess but it's also improbable that he would have even produced this much and uh, he was really productive at Ball State so I kind of I didn't take Huntley seriously going into this year I thought the usage that Huntley has claimed pretty much all would go to Algier in the event of a Damian Williams injury and I I, I imagine Damian Williams as the top backup originally Um, so uh, I I didn't really imagine Huntley doing this but he was super productive at Ball State too and if, if he so much as could improve that 40 times to like a four seven. Then his prospect profile goes from like pretty much non-viable to guy who could produce if he gets the chance and he's getting the chance and the chargers don't defend the run well. So I think both Huntley and Algier could reach 15 carries a game until Patterson is back. You want to, you want to hear a bad Falcons uh, backfield take this one from, from last year. I thought JV and Hawkins <laughs> undrafted guy out of Louisville, but it was going to uh, be a guy. If the NFL started implementing like a, a weight limit of 280 pounds or something like that, then Jalen Hawkins would be a, a real good running back. But uh, yeah, the, you're, you're probably not going to get a 60 pound runner or whatever he was. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. What li- listed at a generous 183 uh, was last we heard from him released uh, by the Rams in May. Um, so too too at well at running back, and uh, yeah, I will say it's it's uh, it, he deserved more of a shot if Atwell got a second round pick, but uh, neither of them belong on a roster, unfortunately. Yep, that, that's just the way it is. Uh, your spread pick for this game? Uh, w- sorry, what is it again? Um, we got the Chargers uh, favored three. by three. I like. Oh, I'll take the Chargers to cover that. Okay, I'm on the Falcons. Uh, I know that they they started hot against the spread, have since cooled off. I think that they've failed to cover each of their last two games. But the Chargers play goofy enough, and they always play down to their competition. I just have a hard time trusting them with more than a field goal. They got to be careful. And if if Herbert is anything much less than heroic, they're in trouble. It's just I, I think Herbert's pretty much always on it. He is. He is. It's, you know, every everything else around him, Sands Eckler on that offense, though, is is a bit of a concern. Other than, of course, uh, national champion Jamari Sawyer filling in ably <laughs> at the left tackle spots. Um, before we get on to our next games, we got a quick message from our friends over at Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And the chat has been very patient. Let's reward the chat. We got a couple of questions here. Uh, Jacob Glazer starting us out. Uh, 10-man league. Uh, This is a tight end question. Higby, Fryermuth, or Greg Dolchich rest of the season? Oh, that's tough. I would lean Fryermuth, but uh, Higby, when he's healthy, I guess I didn't follow up on what his injury was last week. Uh, when Higby's healthy, he's playing like 65 snaps a game and getting upwards of like 8, 9, 10 targets. So uh, I know it's not full point PPR, but if, if you went with him, I, I don't think anyone could really criticize it. I'm lower on Dulcich than most people. I mean, he, he's a busted coverage merchant. Maybe teams still choose to kind of not cover him because they don't care. Um, I tend to think that the way the, the Broncos have been dialing up is going to provoke a defensive counter adjustment. And when that happens, I don't think Dulcich is going to do anything. Whereas Friermuth to me, uh, especially in hindsight is like, not like a star level prospect, but about as close to blue chip as you can get without being blue chip. So with Claypool gone, I would prefer Friermuth. Yeah, so so I, I was going to ask you the, the follow-up. Do you think, like, who of that group of Steelers pass catchers does the does that Claypool departure uh, help? Well, the snaps might go, <laughs> like, Steven Sims or something, but the usage in that part of the field, the next closest player is Fryermuth because Claypool was almost exclusively playing in the slot. And, uh, yeah, Fryermuth doesn't run those same routes. He doesn't line up in quite the same spot, but that's the next closest player proximity wise. Uh, oh, dang. I, I, I just saw that the Calvin Austin was, was out for the season with, with the foot injury that, that happened, I guess last week. I'm but... still a Steven Sims truther, John, if you had, if you oh, had yeah. asked me Steven Sims or Calvin Austin, I'd be like, Sims, no contest. <laughs> Austin was fun. Austin was fun at Memphis. He's, yeah, he's but... pretty solid. Yeah. That just, yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think Steve Smith got a raw deal from, uh, Ron Rivera. What a loser Ron Rivera is. And, uh, 
He's, he's been biding his time on the, the Steelers practice squad, but he, they must have noticed. They started seeing what Jay Gruden once saw because they were they were dialing up plays for Sims last week out of nowhere. And I don't know, man. If, if, if he's got he's better than like Ray Ray McLeod, you know? Yes. Uh, everyone's better than Ray Ray McLeod. Uh, and again, thank you for that question. Jacob, uh, John wants to know, he just made a trade. We got to grade it. He just traded Fournette and DK Metcalf for Kamara and Keenan Allen. Is that a good trade? I'm just so well, skeptical of Keenan plays. Allen. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what's going on with him. I mean, Kamara can keep doing stuff like he did last week and is much more likely to do it than Fournette. Uh, but yeah, the, the Metcalf for Allen part needs the Allen part. <laughs> just get on yeah. the field. Yeah, so that I think if you can, I'll put it this way: uh, if 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 uh, John's team is able to make it to the playoffs, and then you get Keenan Allen back, then I think that that ends up being a, a good trade. But I, I just I kind of have a hard time expecting Keenan Allen, especially with you know how he said he's not going to play again until he's a hundred percent, hundred percent. We might be waiting until after Thanksgiving, so uh, that's tricky. Uh, Sergio also has a question. Um, here is a trade. Our thoughts. Uh, he would be sending. Oh, this is a big trade. Uh, Lamar and Zach Ertz and Chris Olave, or Najee Harris uh, for Travis Kelsey and Devonte Smith, or some some other people. Uh, note to note to the chat. Uh, some of these I trades are a little bit. The first one. Okay, uh, the first side. Lamar and Ertz. Yeah, and so I'm basically seeing this as. Kelsey and Devontae Smith, because I'm taking Devontae over those other guys, for uh, Lamar, Ertz, and Olave. And uh, it's close, don't get me wrong, but Lamar and Olave, to me, I uh, I don't know. I guess, I don't know. It, I, 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 I can see the case if this is like 10 teams or something, and, and Dak is your backup for Lamar. But I, I'd at the very least try like Dak instead of Lamar or something like that. Yeah, I, I like that call. I'd, I'd like to hang on to Lamar if at all possible. Um, let's see here. Uh, we'll grab one more right now. Uh, Trey wants to know, full point PPR, start one of the following in the flex, A.J. Dillon, Kyle Pitts, or Devontae Smith? Yeah, that's also tough. Um, I'm not particularly drawn toward Pitts with this matchup, mainly for the Derwin James reason previously discussed. Uh, God, I don't know how to decide between guys like Dylan and Devante. Uh, they both have the problem of like great matchup, but unassured workloads And uh, you know, ah, God, I, I guess I'd, I'd maybe go Dylan just cause the lines defense is so bad. And, and Darren Jones kind of got a lot of work last week. But uh, if you go with Devontae, I like that too. It's it's just like one of those things like it, there could be five different players in the Eagles offense scoring touchdowns today. Right. I, I, my reaction would go would be Devontae. I know Thursday night yeah, can be enough. a little bit funky. but I got um, no argument I, against Devontae at all. I'd almost like someone to just decide for me. <laughs> the, the, the Dylan part – if they weren't playing the Lions, it'd be a total slam dunk for Devontae. But the fact that it's the Lions, it's like, uh That and Aaron Jones getting 20 carries or whatever he did last week. It's like, he's not built to keep doing that, you know? Mm-hmm. But, you know, do, do the wheels fall off of that after after just one week or do they try it again? Well, we'll, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get to that game. But uh, 
despite the Packers losing by 10 points on, on Sunday, I'm somehow encouraged by by their performance on, on Sunday night. Those, I don't, those I don't know. Well, two Allen uh, interceptions, like those, those two Allen interceptions were basically as bad as the two Trevor Lawrence ones, but no one cared because there was lots of other yardage and stuff. But mm-hmm. Packers should have lost by another 10 points. Probably, but they didn't. And I don't know, there, there's some Rodgers just kind of like vintage running around. The Samari Torre touchdown was sick. I don't know. The, the, the Packers might find... I don't think that the Vikings are, are as good as their record says. I'm not saying that the Packers are going to make a run at the division, but I don't know. It, it, there might, the they might not be five. as dead as I thought yeah. is basically where I'm, where I'm landing on it. Um, let's go ahead. Keep things going. Let's get Dolphins-Bears in the mix. We got the Dolphins... Five-point favorites, Dolphins, one of the more active teams at the trade deadline, bringing in Bradley Chubb, of course, the the big headliner. I thought that the Jeff Wilson trade was also shrewd because obviously he was blocked in San Francisco basically completely, has that experience with with McDaniel. Uh, We we know that Mostert is, you don't want to say ticking time bomb, but you don't want to be counting on him to be playing for the entirety of the season necessarily. Uh, get rid of Chase Edmonds, I believe, too, in the, in the process. So um, your thoughts on the Dolphins, you know, what they did at the trade deadline and, and you know, how things are looking for, for this week against a Chicago team that is showing a bit of a pulse, uh, even if, you know, that they, they've also kind of like uh, completely uh, hamstrung themselves defensively now. Well, I think Mike McDaniel is doing a great job running the Dolphins offense, I'm not going to assume he's any good as a personnel evaluator, much like, you know, McVay and Shanahan can't do it. Uh, there's a totally distinct possibility that McDaniel doesn't know how to scout either. And I would, if, depending on how much input he had on their off season uh, approach, there might already be grounds for worrying a little bit about that. Like if he went out and had any input on signing Chase Edmonds, and then got into training camp and, and obviously into the course of this season and was like, I don't even know what the hell to do with this guy. Then that's concerning to me because it's like, why did you sign him? Uh, if, if, if you thought he could do something that he couldn't do, then how often does this happen with you? Is, is this, is this like the Wilson thing? It's, it's not going to hurt them too much. Obviously I do question whether it was an efficient use of the pick, but ultimately I don't care because McDaniel clearly made that trade because he was just going, I'm sick of trying to get Edmonds and Gaskin and these other running backs to understand, you know, my very particular sim, uh, system here. And uh, he wanted to bring in someone that he didn't have to teach or, you know, give any more coaching attention. And Jeff Wilson was that. So I can understand that utility factoring into the fifth round price, even if Wilson is you know, basically not worth any kind of trade uh, pick. So uh, Wilson can eat up some carries and he can take up some space, take up some time off the clock without putting Mostert on the line. And and, and that should all do the trick for them uh, as, as far as that limited need. But it is still a little weird to me how they uh, <clears throat> just, you know, we're, we're surprised at the player that Edmonds was uh, the Chubb trade. Uh, I got to admit, I don't have that great of a sense of the kind of player Chubb is. I've, I've tended to be a little underwhelmed. Uh, I think that Ejiro Vero is doing a great job with Denver. So Chubb's production this year, I'm not necessarily chalking up just to Chubb. Uh, I'm not taking it for a given that he does a whole lot with the Dolphins, but uh, they need him to do a lot because they, they traded that first round pick and gave him that huge contract. So uh, right. they got to get something from him. Uh, John, I'm wondering, uh, we got this 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 uh, this photo up of you 
taking a big swig of the water bottle. Is that uh, because you are frozen or? Uh, it, my my camera seems to have uh, glitched out, which is great because so I've a got freeze spot. Yeah, um, that's amazing. Yeah. That's that's it yeah. looks like you were doing some kind of uh, post. Yeah, I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty uh, rattled about it, uh, to be honest with you. So we'll see if my camera <laughs> Your, decides John to... John is uh, beat red in real life, so... Uh... Oh, dude, I'm, I'm looking like my <laughs> shirt right now. I, this is, I'm sweating. This <laughs> this has gone completely sideways. All right, folks, I'm, I'm just going to... Uh, I'm going to be a talking talking uh, Rotowire AVI for, for the r- remainder of uh, this podcast, I guess. <sighs> anyway... Um, so good summation uh, on the Dolphins and, and the potential that, you know, McDaniel falls from that tree of the offensive genius who also is, is bad at scouting. Um, and, and like you said, we'll, we'll see what, what Chubb can do. They went uh, out and along. signed uh, Cedric Wilson, too, and just uh, basically made him a healthy scratch. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see Mike be a little less surprised by the players he chooses. <laughs> Wait a second. Um but as it as it all pertains to this game, we know that the you know the, the Bears just gave up a ton of points last week to the to the Cowboys. We know that the Dolphins have you know one of the more electric offenses when they're all healthy and they are. Um, so is there any way that the Bears, especially Sands, Robert Quinn, and Roquan Smith, are able to slow this down? Help. Is this yeah, uh, those corners can't cover these receivers. It's not going to be quite as pronounced as last week, you know, playing in Detroit uh, with those corners. But it's something a little bit like that. I mean, Jalen Johnson's good. Uh, even he, though, I don't think has any sort of prayer against Tyree Kill. Like, it's specifically speed that would cause a problem for Jalen Johnson. Like, he's more of like a cover, you know, two kind of corner, ideally, but... Uh, Whatever, whatever limitations he has almost always has to do with speed. So Hill and Waddle might make Johnson basically bad in this game. And he's the only player capable of playing well at corner in any other context for the Bears. So uh, unless something weird goes on with the weather or the, like the wind or whatever, if, the, if, if gravity just seems a little more pronounced there and it throws Tua off, I get something like that is what it would take because the, these receivers are just going to be wide open all the time. Yeah, it's it. The the Bears are going to have a lot of trouble keeping uh, the the Dolphins off the scoreboard and, and in their territory. Is there anything that we've seen maybe from the, this Dolphins defense? Again, they they just got Bradley Chubb, so the pass rush should be a little bit more lively. The Bears famously are giving up sacks at a in an alarming rate, um, but you know the Bears offense even still has looked better over the, over these last couple of weeks. They haven't been completely the the issue for them. Um, so do you, do you think there's any way that they, you know, kind of keep, keep some sort of pace, keep this competitive, or at least, you know, like show some, show some flaws in this Dolphins D. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. I don't really have a great sense of the Dolphins defense. They have a couple of weird things going on, a couple like parts that still seem less than settled into me. Uh, like they lost that safety, Brandon Jones, who seemed to be kind of emerging, emerging as like a Rover kind of defender for them. Uh, Nick Needham was out last week and I, I kind of never really took Nick Needham seriously because he runs about a four seven and I, I don't know how you can play corner, uh, running a four seven, but he's still probably better than some of these other guys they've been trotting out, uh, while injured. And like, I, I really don't know. I can't figure out much about this cater Kohu or whatever the undrafted slot corner. So 
I'm personally not that convinced on the Dolphins defense. I know they've had some okay results, but uh, we don't know when Byron Jones is going to get back or like if he's going to get back. So I'm at corner, especially I'm not convinced. And uh, Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb, that will clearly work as an edge defense. I uh, don't have a good sense of their interior though. So I, uh, I, just, I don't think this makes their defense good. If, if it was short of that mark before. Okay. So, but bottom line here, you know, it's, it's a defense that Against the bears. It'll work. Yes. Should definitely yeah. should. Um, I think with the way that the bears have played lately, I, I guess both those games were, were away from Chicago. It's kind of more of a slog there. Although I looked at the weather, it's not supposed to be bear weather in Chicago just yet Part this of it's weekend the vibes, you know, it's like the, that field is cursed or something. Oh, it's, uh, it's horrendous. I've been to a couple of games there in, in my day. It's like this weird spaceship that they just kind of dropped in like the middle of Chicago, right on the lake. I don't know. Um, but as it, as it goes, dolphins minus five over under 45 and a half. I like the over a lot in this spot. Um, I, I think the way that these offenses have played and, the, and how bad the defenses are um, as well. I could see, you know, the, the dolphins pushing into the thirties and I could also see the bears pushing, you know, into the twenties. Yeah. Again, it would take something weird from Tua's part for, for the dolphins offense to be a letdown because it, you can, you can just throw like slants every single play to, to Waddle and Hill. And eventually they're going to make the, the corner just miss and that it's going to be a touchdown. So uh, if two is not profoundly off, then definitely like the, the Dolphins side of the point total, it's the Bears side that I don't know what as much to think, but because uh, it's like, they got to run the ball to move the ball realistically anyway. And the Dolphins run defense is better than the pass defense. So uh, and running the ball moves the clock faster. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, was, I, I definitely like the, the, the dolphins to cover. I just, yeah, I, I can't, I want to actually say more than five points. And I was trying to think how much, and I guess I should stop at like eight or something. Okay. So, so pretty, uh, convincing victory on tap here, potentially for the Miami dolphins. Uh, before we get on over to our next game, which will be Bengals versus Panthers, that's going to be kind of an interesting one. Um, we've got a message from our friends over at No House Advantage. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play and pick them contests versus other people for the shot at winning big cash prizes. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars every week. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20x your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player props slash over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with promo code NHAWIRE. That's N-H-A-W-I-R-E at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the app stores to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today. And experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You don't want to miss out on this. Also got a message from our friends over at NFL All Day. NFL All Day is the officially licensed digital collectible of the NFL. 
It's a whole new way to express your fandom by owning the greatest moments from your favorite players and teams. Each moment on NFL All Day features a limited edition video highlight of one of the greatest plays from the NFL's past or present. From OBJ's iconic one-handed catch to Patrick Mahomes' five touchdowns on five straight possessions or Brian Erlacher's 85-yard pick six against the Packers, there's truly a moment on NFL All Day for every fan. And it doesn't stop at being able to own a collection of your favorite moments because NFL All Day rewards collectors for their fandom. You see, NFL All Day collectors have earned once-in-a-lifetime experiences like literally going on stage at the NFL draft to announce draft picks and meeting some of the biggest names from the 22, uh, 2022 NFL draft at the NFLPA rookie premiere. What's the best way to get started? Head to NFL All Day to sign up and redeem a free limited edition NFL collectible featuring Patrick Mahomes. Don't miss out on NFL All Day's next-gen fan platform and start unlocking rewards and experiences today. So that was from our friends over at NFL All Day. All right, onward, Cincinnati versus Carolina. Cincinnati's seven-and-a-half-point favorites at most places. They return home after getting shellacked on Halloween night by those Reese's Cups, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Carolina, meanwhile, has you know looked a little better. Uh, not that that was a high bar to clear over the last couple of weeks. Now they go to Cincinnati. Cincinnati, short week, but they figure to be pretty salty uh, after after last week's result. Seven and a half, you know, obviously that, that moves us past a key number in the betting world. Your thoughts on this matchup? I don't like the Bengals to cover that. I'm worried about them even winning the game because they have real problems and, and uh, you know, those problems just get shown that much more clearly when a guy like that, you know, when your best player, Jamar Chase gets hurt, uh, all of a sudden everything that you're bad at is more evident. So when you're so bad, for instance, at your left tackle pass blocking rep, that what the hell is, I don't even remember that, that Oklahoma fifth round defensive end that uh, the Browns got, like when that guy's beating Jonah Williams, you get you got a crisis on your hands just right there. That one fact, your left tackle is that bad that you need a Jamar Chase at the very least to to get out of this. And and what you don't have one seems like a problem for you. Uh, even against this Panthers defense, I mean they got players who could really hurt them. Brian Burns obviously is a problem, and uh, I, I don't know if anyone's confused about why the Rams might have reportedly offered two first rounders for Burns. Uh, I don't know why the Rams in particular would do it, but I understand that valuation of Brian Burns because uh, people might look at his sack totals and be like, why, why do they care so much about a guy who has nine sacks every year? Like, well, how much are teams thrown against the Panthers? Like, they don't need to throw against the Panthers to get leads. Uh, so they run the ball and they win games and they don't give Burns that many pass rushing, rushing opportunities. But if he were on a team with so much as an average offense, Brian Burns would be in the conversation for the league sack title. So, uh, him going against Jonah Williams and the right tackle, presumably not much better either. Uh, you get Derek Brown's doing a little bit on the interior. And uh, not that this has to do with the offense, but the Bengals might be without their top corner, Shadobia Wuzie, who hurt his knee last week and left the game. Uh, slot corner Mike Hilton wasn't practicing Wednesday with a finger issue. Trey Flowers is Shadobia Wuzie's backup. He's not practicing as of Wednesday with a hamstring. 
So this looks like another game where DJ Moore and Terrace Marshall even could keep going. And if you got Deontay Foreman giving you so much as 55 yards on the ground, and if DJ Moore and Terrace Marshall can put together, you know, ideally something like 150 or more, uh, that's enough to beat, I think, this Bengals team uh, with how bad the Bengals offense has looked. And, uh, you know, like you got J.C. Horn maybe giving some trouble to T. Higgins. I mean, T. Higgins can, can win even when he's covered, but he, he's going to have to. And, and J.C. Horn can play uh, more physical than most corners. So, I don't know. It seems, it seems like a real dangerous spot for the Bengals, in my opinion. So I, I think that all those points are, are definitely valid. And I, I think that the Bengals are a flawed team that, um, you know, aren't going to be able to reach really close to the, the heights that they did a year ago. And you, you the, the breakdown on the Panthers, I, I thought, was was particularly strong. I just feel like if, you know, the, despite the, the Bengals and their, you know, relative shortcomings in certain key areas, I mean, the, the, the offensive line looking like it did when Joe Burrow was a rookie this past week, I mean, that's, that's a huge concern, not just for this week, but I, I think just the rest of the season, that doesn't seem like a problem. It's going to get better. And I think it's also worth pointing out that it, it's a little bit weird to me that when the Bengals haven't had the full strength receiving core, they've looked very, very average to bad. You know, like well, even even when when Chase was healthy, but Tiggins was dinged up. Yeah. So th- when they run that three receiver base, and it's all just kind of like ISO ball across the board, just like beat your one on one matchup as a, as an offensive scheme. Like you need the actual talent advantage, and if you don't have it, you're just you you're just gotta you know at the very least kind of like a leak in the boat. And it might be more like a you know collapsing pillar at that point. So the, when they when they are so dependent on Jamar Chase giving X level of you know effectiveness, productivity, playing capital, whatever you want to call it, and then it's just gone. And your your attempt to to replace it is what if we give those fifty five snaps to Mike uh, Southern Mississippi bad Mike Thomas and Trent Taylor. You got to have better depth than that. If you are so dependent on on these three pillars, you know, these two, particularly Higgins and Chase, then you have to have some other thing to support your offense. If one of them is not there, they don't have it. They just have, they they have questions. That's all that they have in response and uh, playing Trent Taylor, playing uh, Southern Mississippi, Mike Thomas, that's playing 10 on 11 and your offensive line sucks. You particularly when your offensive line sucks, you cannot be playing 10 on 11 and, uh, the Bengals have to, and it, it, there's again real players on that Panthers defense who can make them pay for that fact. And you know, you, you toss in the fact that okay, so we don't have Jamar Chase for a little bit. Why don't we run the ball more? Joe Mixon has not looked good. Yeah, I so. uh, I think it's to the point that's that's part of the one of the specific problems of playing ten on eleven. It's like it's a lot easier to defend the run when Trent Taylor is out there. You know, like so even setting aside what he might do as a route runner, which isn't much more than likely. But even if he were to do something it's like you're giving up so much structural, like equity or whatever, like you're, you're losing so much of the physical product that you normally put out there and they just don't have the sum of parts to replace it. So uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't have the guts to say the Panthers win, but I kind of wish I did. And I really would be surprised if the Bengals covered. 
So I, I am on the Bengals to cover, but I feel a lot worse about it now after after this discussion. <laughs> Awuzier being in would be big because he could contain, theoretically, DJ Moore. But if it's like... He is, Trey, he is out. He's out, uh, out. Okay. So ACL. Trey Flowers are worse against DJ Moore? I mean, that's that's very that's just running that Falcon scenario again. You know, the Falcons backups, it's like, it might look rough for DJ Moore. It might take all 10 targets, but you're not stopping him for 10 targets with these corners. No, I don't think so. Even even with PJ Walker at quarterback, um, let's hit a couple more questions here. Uh, Trey uh, wants to know uh, start one of these guys in in PP or sit one of these. I'm sorry in PPR. Uh, Tyler Boyd, Devin Singletary, or Michael Carter. Uh, who did the Jets got? Uh, the Jets have the Bills. Yeah, I'd sit Carter. Okay, um, two quarterback league. Tom Brady or Andy Dalton. God, what what has happened to the world? Who's the Saints? Oh, they got uh, they the I'd Ravens. Go, I'd go Brady. I'd go Brady. Okay. I know it's not going to work, but how can we pick Dalton over Brady? <laughs> it, yeah, it just we we can't be. Ravens aren't that bad, right? Like they, they've can't. gotten better. They've gotten better defensively. I, it, at the end of the show, I, I think I think I might have some some revelations to to share with you. Um, okay. <laughs> uh baby santa um also wants to know half point ppr uh one of these pairings uh option a is jacoby myers and james connor option b is devin singletary uh rashad bateman and devin duvernay i'm i'm just sketched out on so what trade? Bateman's going to be the rest of the season oh, okay um <clears throat> uh i like myers and i love connor when he's healthy i just don't know what's going on I like that second side, I think. I mean, it's going to be tough to get Bateman and DuVernay in the lineup at the same time. But at worst, if Bateman's out, then you can go to DuVernay. And uh, I don't personally think Singletary's going to lose much work. Maybe maybe I'm getting that wrong. But I, I think Singletary, I'm not even convinced Hines is a better pass catcher than Singletary. So uh, I, I think because Singletary is, is a, or I'm thinking anyway, he's a starter, uh, for one of the maybe the highest scoring offense, and I, I still expect him to get like three targets, four targets a game. I, I kind of prefer the Singletary Ravens side a little tiny bit. Devin Duvernay looks good. He looks like a like a real NFL receiver. Yeah, Greg Roman is the problem there, and it's that's not going away, admittedly. But uh, I don't know. James Conner with with the injury that he has, and with like Benjamin showing something. I don't know. I don't know what you can take for granted on the other side. It's, it's kind of part of the problem for me. Okay. All right. So we'll, we'll go uh, with, with what's behind door number two in that case. Thank you, baby Santa. Okay. Onward. Next game. Mario, I'm going to intro this game, flip it over to you, briefly leave the studio, see if I can fix this camera problem, jump back in. It should just be about 10 to 12 seconds. Sorry to do some live on air production here, but uh, that's where we're yeah, at. If you hadn't told me you were doing it, I wouldn't have even known, you know. I just see the <laughs> RW logo. Well, the, the listeners, they, they love a little peek behind the curtain, you know. It, it's 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 fun. Um, but anyway, Packers, three and a half point favorites uh, on the road in Detroit against the Lions. Uh, your thoughts here. I'm jumping. Right. So uh, I thought that the Packers, and I still think that the Packers have a lot of issues on offense, and I, I basically think 
they're not very good. I think they're they're kind of a bad team, and I'm not really confident Matt Lafleur realizes that. I don't know if Lafleur's got his eye on the ball in general. I don't really know. I'm not not sold on anything particularly optimistic with them. However, the Detroit defense has no talent. This is almost by design. Like they, we just knew that they wouldn't have any good players. The one players that they were supposed to have who were good were like. Uh, I guess Malcolm Rodriguez, you could say, and Derek Barnes, maybe Okuda. But it was supposed to be Aiden Hutchinson, who, uh, it, it's early. I don't want to say he's he's just a bust, but uh, he's not going to be whatever they wanted him to be. They're already talking about, like, moving him around. Oh, John, you're there. Um, yeah, man, we're back. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Hutchinson being a zero, a total dud, has the defense worse than expected, but it was still expected to be just terrible. And uh, so, like, the the Packers just have no grounds for so much as even struggling for, like, a quarter against a team with this personnel. And I don't think it should be an issue for them. Like, I guess traditionally you worry a little bit more about Rodgers having an off game on the road, bizarrely. But, I don't know, I think this this Lions team is an an exception and uh, the Dome – uh, if, if the Packers have some sort of like road drag, I think it would sooner show on the defense rather than the offense in this case. So uh, I think Rodgers has been basically a buffoon this year and, and repeatedly embarrasses himself. But I would be just completely shocked if he had anything other than a good game here. And uh, whoever the receivers are, if Lazard's out, fine. Uh, I don't know why they can't seem to get Watkins going more. I know he was getting open the first couple games that he played this year. Uh, last week they didn't throw to him at all. Um, well, he got he got the concussion. Well, that, that, he played a decent amount and they didn't use him at all. Um, but yeah, Dobbs is is good in my opinion. So if Rogers isn't throwing him under the bus and it keeps going back to him, um, like I know I know Dobbs had a couple rough games there, but he he's good and uh, yeah. their passing game doesn't go if they don't get him the ball. No, it, it, exactly. So um, you know I, I think Dobbs coming on. Um, and I, I feel like Tunyon looks spry compared to Mercedes Lewis, probably. Yeah. And, so, uh, no, I, I, I like Tunyon. I just, I just think it's funny how, I don't know, like they, they're just so bad at evaluating players sometimes. And they have like third rounder, Josiah Deguara playing 10 snaps is just like a total nothing player. Nice job, Gutekunst. When is the last time that guy did anything right, by the way? Like, even even his, like, so-called good moves of, like, signing Zadarius Smith just culminated in trading him to a divisional opponent anyway. Um, yeah, I guess they, they got Preston Smith that, that year as well. They still have Preston Smith. Um, yeah, so anyway, idiot, idiot GM, uh, team resultingly somewhat stupid too, but uh, they should be able to take care of business here. Yeah, I, I, I think Packers minus three and a half is my best bet oh, yeah, uh, for, for, for this week. I, I really do like it, which, you know, obviously makes you nervous uh, anytime that. But even still, um, do do you like the, the pack in the spot? I think that they start to maybe show a little bit of signs of life. And, you know, I even talked if they're about dead, it's fine. They'll still cover that, I think. Yeah. And let's see here. Um you know, talk, talked about Samari Torre, like, it, you know, during draft season and everything. Um, but if, if he is pressed into some sort of role here, uh, as much as I like Damari Rogers potentially coming out of college, it feels like Torre is more involved right now, has a little bit of, you know, the, the vaunted Aaron Rodgers trust. I think that, you know, he's a little bit interesting if he gets some snaps 
in this one. If Watson is out, I think that that would end up being being the case. Um, and you know, the Packers' run game last week was looking pretty strong. Although I don't think the Bills were overly like trying to to stop the run so much because it, it was effectively the Packers running right. the clock out on themselves a little bit. Um, on the Detroit side of this. You know, what was at the very least a, a fun offense to start the year has kind of uh, dwindled a bit. Um, your thoughts on guys like, and they obviously got rid of TJ Hawkinson. What, what is the big impact for, from that? Because I, I can't imagine that Brock Wright is of anything of interest. Although I, I did like James Mitchell coming out of college a little bit, actually, now that, now that we're on this topic. Yeah, Mitchell is interesting to me. He couldn't do any athletic testing because of some injury or another, but... He looked pretty athletic. I, it's tough. It's it's kind of like risky to try to read too much into that, especially when it's a smaller player and he is a pretty small tight end. But I don't know. He's he's one of those guys who, at least when you saw him play, you'd kind of be like, well, who's that one?" You know. So I mean, seventeen yards a catch as a tight end in college—that's pretty good. Yeah. So uh, he's he's interesting, but yeah, that trade is bizarre to me. For so many reasons, I don't know why you would want to keep him in the division like that. Uh, but then again, I don't know why the Vikings are making that trade either. It's like they got issues that have nothing to do with their tight end reps. And uh, I don't think they're going to get anything for this trade uh, for the most part. So it just seems to me like both teams making each other worse. Um, Goff doesn't, you know, have uh, much of a margin of error because he sucks. So taking Hawkinson off the field. It's like, now you're going to make golf worse. You're going to make, I bet St. Brown a little bit less effective. Cause I mean, those guys run in a similar part of the field as a defense. You can't just simply cover them both. Um, you, you can't get enough guys into that amount of space to divvy it up like that. You can kind of sell out more to stop St. Brown in the middle of the field without Hawkinson there. So the target volume is great. And St. Brown is, is good for his own part. Um, but I think even Rasul Douglas, who is the one getting eaten up uh, by digs in that game, the Packers DC is just an idiot. I can't believe that. Like putting Jair Alexander all game on Gabe Davis. Like what? Why? And anyway, just let, Rasul- yeah, we're just going to let Stephon, we're going to make Stefan Diggs beat us. Okay. We're he's gonna, going uh, to we're gonna give Douglas a little tiny help over the top because uh, Diggs can't beat anyone underneath famously. Um, so yeah, anyway, <laughs> Douglas was getting, lit up in that game but douglas's limitation is speed specifically like he's basically a safety he doesn't even belong at corner he can't play corner in most schemes in the nfl the packers dc just kind of thought like oh douglas must be good because he intercepted some passes off the practice squad last year or whatever so uh basically like a sentimental evaluation of the guy can't actually play in a starting role um but uh i I don't know I, i think st brown is one of the kinds of receivers who douglas is least frightened by like he's afraid of speed. He doesn't want to see Khalif Raymond. He'd rather see St. Brown. Uh, I got, I got, thro- I got thrown for by a comment there for, for a second. I shouldn't have even admitted that, but, um, but yeah, I mean the, this, uh, the Hawkinson move, you know, that now even more defensive attention underneath is going to be put on St. Brown. So, I mean, targets should be there if not more so, but you know, there, there is the, the potential for just, kind of less effective, efficient results um, for, from Hawkinson being gone. Uh, so, yeah, the, things are looking pretty bleak in Detroit, unfortunately. Had some optimism, as did most people uh, coming into the season. Uh, let's go ahead 
Let's get Raiders Jags going here. The Raiders one and a half point favorites uh, against Jacksonville. Jacksonville coming off the London game. The Raiders coming off of out of nowhere. One of the great egg layings of the entire the season. Worst team of all time. Uh, oh. Yeah, they're they're really rough, man. And uh, they had some weird illness thing running through the team, including Devonte Adams last week. I don't know if that had. Like, would it really be so shocking if some team we hear in, in uh, you know, after the season or something, we hear a report like, oh, yeah, like, eight of those guys had COVID that game. They were just, like, playing through it because they didn't have, whatever, bad symptoms. Uh, I don't know if that's what was going on with the Raiders, but it, it seemed like they were a bit messed up, even for them, even even with Josh McDaniels already seeming to have completely lost control. It's just, just like, wow, even for you, idiots, this is pretty bad. Uh they can't possibly be that bad, I guess, two weeks in a row. No one's that bad against the Jaguars either. Um, so they're going to have some sort of better result than last week. But it's like, let's, let's, I don't know what they need to get going. And it's like, even like basic functions are becoming difficult for them. Like they could have been a bad team, even with Devontae Adams getting like 90 yards in that game or something. And yet, even he was just a complete zero. So uh, I think the Jags win, but only because anybody can probably beat the Raiders. And uh, for things to, things reaching that particular low of a point, it's like, uh, not not that we've heard specifics yet, but I have to imagine Josh McDaniel, Josh McDaniels is already having some kind of issue, you know? Like, yeah, like I saw, guys, I saw guys, something from the... Um, one of the Raiders beat writers said that that McDaniel's was having another long conversation with Mark Davis after the game. Right, so that's just like we know the heat, the the seat is hot already, but like what we don't know is just what the hell is going on in there, and like what is like there could there's probably some crazy stories that guys have in there that haven't gotten to the press yet about just like whoa, dude, wait till you hear about what was going on, like how, how Daniels, how McDaniels did this one thing, uh, you know, like the Urban Meyer stories before we heard them, you know, like that kind of stuff might be going on. And Oof. when if things reach a certain level of administrative dysfunction, it's just like all bets can be off, you know, you can lose to anybody by any amount. So uh, I think the Jags win, but mostly just because it seems like the, the Raiders are just completely imploding. Are you surprised that it's gone this bad for McDaniels? Yes, I like I might have been more I might not have been more wrong about anything other than the effect of Josh McDaniels. Like I thought whatever. I think basically my outlook was like pretty much every coach is stupid, pretty much every team is stupid. Uh the, the NFL is largely just a fraternity of idiots letting each other psychically win and then lose certain seasons and each each upswing is sold as like a reason to ownership. Like, see, stick with this guy. He's a good, reliable coach. He's got experience, you know, and that's how you end up with like the same uh, 22 coaches always holding jobs over a 15 year span while a like a completely forgotten cast of, you know, other idiots gets cycled out in between. Um, but Josh McDaniels being this bad, I, I just, it's, it's part of too why, you have to almost immediately go to the theory of like, there must be some kind of just rotted detail here. Like something about like, they can't get practices done. Like they can't get 
like there, there's 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 something contentious or or like you know players not people coaches not getting along something like that has to go has to be going on because like the results are too bad to be explained otherwise even if you thought Josh McDaniels was bad it's like he's getting worse results than he did initially in Denver and he doesn't have Tim Tebow at quarterback you know like something's something's just way worse this time somehow yeah I I can't believe it I, I figured you know kind of go, going back into the incubator going back to New England for as long as he did, it would have, you know, kind of ironed out some of the issues that, that, you know, were obviously present in Denver that first run as a head coach, but uh, no, this is, this is worse somehow um, with, with, you know, but a lot. And they have good players getting absolutely nothing too. You know, it's like, that's, that's the part that's shocking. Cause there's normally there's a certain level of like, you can't, you can only screw this up so much. And with McDaniels, it's like, actually you can't, you can screw it up more than, should have been possible. Theory said this was impossible, but you have done it. He, yeah, he truly incredible stuff from him. Let's hit a couple uh, more questions from the chat. Suave JP wants to know: Would you trade Lamar and ETN for Josh Allen, Mike Evans, and Najee Harris? That's that's a nice return. I know that Najee Harris hasn't been awesome, but I mean, you get Josh Allen. Mike Evans is really the only thing that seems to be working in Tampa Bay right now. Yeah, I'd do that. Um, so like that one, and then rank these four rest of season. AJ Dillon, Wandale Robinson, Darnell Mooney, Kadarius Tony. I have Tony in dead last of that group. Probably. I don't know. Probably, um, but yeah, I don't know if he's gonna really even do anything this year. I, I think that the the order we listed it out is probably the correct one. Yeah, Maybe Mooney over Wandale because I think Mooney has ability, but uh, and Wandale disappeared last week against the Seahawks of all teams. So uh, Dylan first, I'd flip a coin, I guess, between Robinson and Mooney, but I, I kind of lean Mooney. I think second. Okay, all right, that checks out. Tony wants to know uh, why is there such a lack of news regarding the Colts' backfield? It's like, well, I'm a bad guy to ask about that because. I run our college football stuff at Rotowire. I had to dig deep onto Twitter.com yesterday to find a student reporter who had a picture of the best player in the Mid-American Conference, uh, Lou Nichols, uh, wearing a football uniform yesterday and, and take that and run with it because there was nothing actually coming out of Central Michigan about whether or not he was playing. So a uh, uh, bad guy to ask about the, the lack of info. NFL gold standard of, of injury info, at least relative to college. Oh. I think uh, the the football coverage has been on whatever there has actually been said. Uh, the problem is, and, and if you're specifically wondering like how Taylor has had a setback at with his ankle, because like, he played too early on a high ankle sprain, which is exactly what we said would happen. Uh, it's a four week injury. You try to come back after three. Like Taylor at eighty percent still looks good, so they thought like, oh, he's fine. It's like he's fine because he's a freak. His ankle is not healthy, so right. he got hurt. Uh, Deion Jackson steps up when Taylor can't play, but uh, there might be room for Jackson uh, even when Taylor is healthy because Naheem Hines, of course, is gone. And Jackson has, in my opinion, already proven better as a receiver than Hines. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, Taylor's ankle just had a, a pop up aggravation, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Facts. And Swift, um, they just, they just, there's no information about it. Like the, the Lions never tell us, like, 
he, he practiced all the week before and then he didn't even play in that game, let alone last week playing and simply not getting as much work as expected. That happened last week, uh, last year too, when they played, I think in Chicago, it's like he practiced all week and he had like four carries, you know, it's like, they, that's just something that they've done. They don't tell you how hurt he actually is and no one can make them. God, the, the curse of the, of the first overall consensus pick continues just in fantasy football. You know? DeAndre Swift. Oh no, I was talking about uh, Jonathan Taylor. Oh, Jonathan Taylor, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, it's know, uh, McCaffrey yeah, the last like, couple like, of years. Mike and Ballard, just two two scoundrel idiots, and uh, they've they have made this uh, they've made this world, and we have to live in it. We sure do, unfortunately. Um, Josh Palmer or Russell Gage this week? I kind of hate both of them, but I'd go with Palmer because, well, particularly if Keenan Allen is out, I would definitely go Palmer. I think I'd go Palmer even if Allen is in, though. We have a pretty large gulf between the two of them in our in our weekly rankings, although neither of them cracked the top 36 for receiver. But uh, Josh Palmer, wide receiver 40 this week. Russell Gage, receiver 85. So uh, I, I think Palmer safely ahead in that one the bucks are toast beyond toast that 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 bucks rams game i'm, I'm looking for they are to, downright to... divorced john <laughs> they're they're moving out they're eating spaghettios right out Did of you the hear can. about this Tom brady <laughs> i i have i have and uh I, it, it brings me no joy absolutely none um let's keep rolling here i uh, got a few more games to get to we got Speaking of the Colts, we, we got them going over to Foxborough to face the Patriots. Patriots five and a half point favorites in this one. Where where are we headed here? <laughs> uh, man, both of these teams suck, but I suppose only one can lose this game. Uh, I, I think the Taylor thing is really discouraging because you know they're going to keep trying to get him into the game now. They're going to... No matter whether he's fully recovered, they're always just going to be like, maybe a game time decision. He doesn't need to practice. It's like, yeah, he needs to not practice and not play or else his ankle is going to not be able to practice. And you're going to keep doing this until however many you idiots need to be fired. Uh, it's it's insane. Uh, Deion Jackson is interesting. If, if, they, if they are smart, uh, I don't think they will be because smart in this case is to basically like like Reich's just trying to cobble together wins you know he's trying to he thinks like if I, if I scrape together some kind of uh you know some kind of dignified appearance for a few weeks i might be able to keep my job uh which i'm so good at uh, but when you're thinking that way you're like oh i don't care if jonathan taylor aggravates this ankle. if i'm fired in three weeks if we don't win this week i don't care about jonathan taylor's health beyond this week so he has basically a conflict of interest there affecting his judgment and uh, I assume, like the scoundrel he is, he will advocate for Taylor to play regardless of how it uh, relates to Taylor's own career interests. And um, I, I, it, with that said, if they don't do that, then I think Deion Jackson's pretty good. And uh, at that point, it's like we're, we're just wondering what the Colts offense in general looks like, especially at Foxborough against Belichick. Getting back the new England Belichicks. I don't know if the Patriots are getting back uh, Kyle Duggar. Him being out is big for the middle of the field. Um, I guess I, they're just not giving us an injury report. All right. Well, if, <laughs> if uh, Kyle Duggar's out, then guys like Granson, I guess Paris Campbell, maybe even uh, look a little better. 
I don't worry about Pittman or Alec Pierce against these Patriots corners. Uh, I guess Jalen Mills can kind of run with Pittman and has a similar, or he's, he's a bigger corner anyway, but uh, Pierce can definitely run away from Mills. Pittman might be able to himself. And then those other corners are like, uh, Miles Bryant, the slot corner is just awful. They got to get him off the field. Uh, Jonathan Jones is good, but he's like five, nine and a half, 185 pounds. And Pierce is six, three Pittman, six, four. So those outside receivers should be able to do something, particularly if Frank Reich calls an offense that at all suits Sam Ellinger, like calling zero, having zero carries, zero scrambles in the first half last week. That's one of those facts that if you just, if you just told me that ahead of the game, like, Hey, by the way, Sam Ellinger is going to go into the second half without any carries that would have led to only two possibilities to conclude. One is that the Colts will lose. The other was that Ellinger got hurt. There's no third possibility. And uh, like like I was saying before, Sam Ellinger led Texas in rush attempts in three of his four years there. One of those three years, he only played nine games in a 13-game season. He is run dependent. Like He gets the pass looks that he gets and has whatever level of success with those looks that he does, with the defense presuming a particular level of run threat. And in this case, we're talking upwards of 12, 15 times a game. So when you take that player and make him never run, that's just letting the defense play on easy mode. They just, there's mm-hmm. like, Hey, we don't have to defend that. And now Ellinger has to be a player that he's never been. He's never even succeeded as a Texas quarterback playing football this way. So that he would ever do it in the NFL is just an absurd idea. And it's, you know, Reich's got to go. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, that, that was the most backwards usage that I, that I could have potentially cooked up. Literally as far the as... stupidest thing he could have done. And he did it. Bless him. Yep. Uh, you know, me, some bitterness for for me. I, I really dropped the bag for for him because I, I figured that you know, hey, he's gonna he's gonna it could be ugly, but the fantasy results could be good. And to be fair to Ellinger, he did a good job for the circumstances. Like yeah, he he, he did more than anyone could reasonably request of him. Um, do you buy any or into your analysis? Do you bake any of just kind of the fact that Belichick tends to succeed, uh, have a lot of success against inexperienced quarterbacks? Um, I I think Belichick's is generally competent and he gets, you know, better at home. And, uh, Frank Reich is generally incompetent and he's losing that team. And the, probably a lot of assistant coaches on that team reaching out to journalists anonymously right now about how, uh, Frank Reich is and all that. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough scene, uh, out there in Indy. So I, I like the Patriots to win this one in an ugly game. Uh, as you can, as you can imagine the total, in that one, just 39 and a half uh, or 40, depending on where you're looking. Uh, before we get on over to our next game, uh, got a message from our friends over at MKF. Football is officially back. You guys knew that. On Monkey Knife Fight with all the NFL action you're looking for. And if college football is more your speed, they've got plenty of that too. On Monkey Knife Fight, there's no sharks, no salary caps, and no math. It's just easy to play, easy to win daily fantasy player props join now at monkeyknifefight.com and you'll get your first game free then use promo code rwnfl to get your first deposit matched instantly up to a hundred dollars so what are you waiting for join monkey knife fight today jets bills bills 12 and a half point favorites on the road in the meadowlands against the jets i love the bills here I'll take the Bills as well, John. I, th- I think the like you know last week, 
they're at home, they're coming off the bye. So like, you know, maybe some of those factors steered people towards uh, taking the bills to cover, but the Packers still at least have Aaron Rodgers. The Jets have Zach Wilson and they're in the division. I think that the bills want to just kind of like send a, send a bit of a message here. I, I think the bills win this one like running away. I think this could be one of the bigger uh, like scoring differentials that we see this season. Yeah, the Jets are a toxic organization. Their quarterback is marked for just hideous, hideous numbers, whatever amount of playing time they give them from here. And uh, they're they're in for a very painful second half of the season. This this game will not go well for them. Yep, I started to to you know buy a little bit uh, on the Jets after their like mini win streak, but um, you know I, I felt good about the Patriots last week. And I think that, you know, this is going to get uh, pretty ugly for them. I, they I guess a, they have a front seven. That's what they have in, in, in uh, uh, sauce Gardner. That's what they have going for them. But that offense puts the defense in such short fields. Uh, if you have varied personnel in the passing game, you can get that passing defense hurt. You just got to double team Quinn and Williams in the pass rush. And uh, yeah, Zach Wilson cannot play right now. They got, they might have to bench him in this game because it's, the players are going to start complaining. It's it is that rough. Um, any thoughts on the Buffalo backfield? Um, I, I think that's really you know everything else is is pretty well established at this point. But you know that them getting Hines, it it feels like they didn't fit. They had a backfield problem, and Hines doesn't fix it like at all. If anything, he like makes it more complicated. Yeah. So I feel like it's generally structural reasons that the bills running backs didn't do much as pass catchers with Josh Allen there. I think it has to do with the spacing of the offense and where the running backs line up in that spacing. So I don't even believe that Hines is necessarily going to do anything, Like he's actually a player who requires a lot of accommodation. That's what was so annoying to me about him in, with Indianapolis, like Ballard, you know, was was all high on this idea of like, ah, I've got a pass catching specialist running back. I'm so forward thinking. I know that the run is less valuable than the pass. I'll make Naheem Hines my prize uh, project. And uh, all the analytics dorks were like, yes, this is this is such a great idea. Put Taylor on the bench and truly you may you will thrive then. And uh, nothing these people ever say turns out true, but it just doesn't matter. They just keep getting hired, keep scolding other people about how they need to learn how math works or whatever. Um, but the thing with Naheem Hines was he required a lot of accommodation because he's not actually skilled from scrimmage. And so they tried to dial up these plays where they'd get him these targets. And yeah, if you had like a Kamara type or some, you know, ETN, someone with some hint of elusiveness, then you'd be talking big numbers. But Naheem Hines is this player who, with which you forfeit the run threat because he can't run. And in the event that he, like if, even as a pass catcher, he kind of often needs to get matched up against a linebacker one-on-one and he'll win that matchup. But this is why the part, the fact that he can't run is crucial and makes him ultimately useless that the defenses know that he can't run. So they're not going to put a linebacker on him. They're going to put a corner or a safety on him. And he's not good enough as a route runner to beat them. So the pass catching specialist utility is already whittled down to like screen pass looks. And the rest of the time, maybe a decoy kind of function because you can clear out space with his speed, but from scrimmage, he doesn't do anything. He never has. He always just runs into traffic. And uh, I'm not convinced that he'll be a better pass catcher than Singletary has been this year. So uh, I, I'm not even convinced Hines will run ahead of James Cook. Like, I think they'll give him a shot. 
in a week or two. And I, I don't know, unless unless the C parts and the defense looks the other way, Hines is just going to run into somebody. James Cook, um, I, I did like the Leo DiCaprio point at the TV uh, for, from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when they split him out into the slot last week and he had the big catch down the field. I'm like, that's that's how you use him. Yes, I've been talking about yeah. that. But but again, like you don't, you don't necessarily like, make that the staple of your offense when you have Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis. But James Cook, capable of cool plays, but I, I don't know if he, you know he's someone that, that you're uh, – going to be getting a ton of volume out of uh, how about this i will say whereas before i was like no way in hell should you be buying james cook in dynasty or redraft i will say send out an offer in dynasty now i mean he's he's not gonna do nothing and there might be some people especially the way some of these like dynasty people just despair over any debt any any um what is it called any any uh data point that pops up that's slightly less than unambiguously positive they just go oh god it's over he's he's dust and you know they they freak out and they they trade him for some other player who sucks because they they saw some advanced metric that they don't know the inputs of and don't understand the mechanics of that said like this player might not suck and uh it's like the the error here is a lot of people are just smaying over naheem hines being there when again i'm biased i guess to be fair but i'm also biased against james cook i have no reason to tell Mm -hmm. you james cook is better than naheem hines I, i don't like either of them but James Cook is better than Naheem Hines. Yes. All right. All right. So we've, we've got that going. Um, let's grab a couple questions here. Uh, Isaac wants to know, or he, he traded Keenan Allen and Chuba for Pollard and Mooney. Is that a win? Uh, if Allen stays semi-retired, I guess. Uh, but yeah. yeah. Otherwise, if he comes back, he's catching 10 passes in like 80% of the games. True. True. Um, let's see. Edward Gus Edwards or Michael Carter rest of season. Uh man, I Gus just cuz I'm thinking maybe some touchdowns, but I don't know. Yeah, I hated seeing him, you know, tweak the hamstring last week, but at least it wasn't. Oh right, is there an update on that? Um I'm I'm not sure what it, if they had a practice report yesterday because they play on Monday yeah. night. Um, so I think we'll know more. I need Gus uh, to play to be clear. If he's not playing, then I prefer Carter. Of course, of course. Um, and then, uh, let's see one more. Uh, should I trade Dak and Mostert for Miles Sanders? I wouldn't. I, I mean, unless, so either. unless it's like an eight team league and your next quarterback is Jalen Hurts or something. Right. So, uh, I, would, I would stand pat there. Uh, let's go the Kirk Cousins revenge game. Vikings commanders. <laughs> um, man, I really hate these teams. Uh, well, the Vikings have good play. Maybe there's something to do with O'Connell's system that I just can't follow. Like, I don't I don't understand why. And, and I'm very disturbed by the fact that the Vikings offense has just gotten worse for no real reason. Like there's better players or at least no worse than in previous years. And yet the results are just down. And uh, I, I don't think Kirk cousins is great or anything, but I have trouble blaming him for this. So to me, it seems like the new coach has to be the cause. Sometimes teams take just a little while and eventually get to, you know, adjusting to a new offense and all of a sudden just look different and look better. Maybe that's what's going on with the Vikings here. But if not, 
then I think they just are sluggish, much more sluggish than their num than their record anyway. Like I think you see it in Kirk Cousins' numbers. You look at his peripherals and it's like this isn't something's wrong here. Uh, their record would make you maybe think otherwise, but something is wrong there. So going to Washington, even even against Washington, you know, terrible defense. I worry about assuming what I would normally assume with these Vikings players. Like I would, I would normally say upgrade for Justin Jefferson, upgrade for, you know, whatever, everybody, I guess. And uh, in a game like when a team is playing like the Vikings are right now, and especially going on the road, I, I just don't know if I should take things like that for granted or if I should assume some level of dysfunction that might not actually have a really solid statistical basis, but one that we can kind of reason is there uh, just, just because of how they're playing under previous uh, production levels. Um, but yeah, there's nothing on paper Washington should be able to do here. They shouldn't be able to defend those receivers. They shouldn't be able to stop the run on offense. I mean, I like Taylor Heineke enough. I think he's better than Wentz. And uh, it seems like even uh, Ron Rivera and Scott Turner uh, are getting sick of the J.D. McKissick thing, which even now it's it's funny how they try to just justify that guy, like giving him – put in McKissick for the third and 14. Like, you mean just – just scratch him. Like why, what, what if you're, what if you're not a crap team and you don't end up in third and 14, you just don't have anything for McKissick to do. Huh? Funny how that works. Um, anyway, Ryan Robinson also still sucks. Uh, the more that they use him, the sooner they are likely to lose a game, but, uh, yeah, Gibbo is the best. Who could have Gibbo. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm loving the Gibbo resurgence. He's really, I mean, it's so pathetic, man. These coaches <laughs> just like screwing with these players careers. It's, it's absurd. The, the, the level of just the number of like scoundrel coaches, you know, it's a very, this, this thing with Ron Rivera and Scott Turner treating Gibson this way is a variation of what Frank Reich did to his offensive quarter coordinator, Mike Brady. It's like, you screwed up as a coach. You have failed in some way as a coach. And instead of just owning it, you're saying like, I bet Gibson's the problem. If we just, Bench Gibson, we finally have a life that weren't so bad. And uh, what do you know? It turned out to be just totally, totally wrong. And Ron Rivera is never going to apologize. Scott Turner is never going to apologize. They're just going like, yeah, uh, can we have our job still, please? It's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's fine that we just wasted like six weeks of this offense, right? Like we, it's not a big deal if we're that bad as coaches, right? Um, anyway, I can't wait till some of these regimes are just gone. Hopefully, never come back anywhere. Yeah. And salt the earth over them. Uh, I guess what one last thing on this one. Hawkinson, maybe not super involved th- this coming week, but moving forward, how do you think he affects this offense? Well, I think Hawkinson's good. Um, I don't know if... So part of that dysfunction that I was talking about with the Minnesota passing game, it was really showing up with Irv Smith, like Adam Thielen and even more with Irv Smith. Now, I don't... I don't need to believe Irv Smith is actually good to believe also that there's no way he's as bad as his numbers were. And I'm kind of just chalking up his really bad numbers to that dysfunction, you know, that I'm theorizing is there, even though I don't know what it is specifically or why it's there. Uh, so I can't just assume Hawkinson will improve that on the basis of talent. Like Irv Smith's numbers got way worse this year, even relative to his, you know, disappointing first two years. So I, I don't know. I, I can't really see Hawkinson doing much unless he kind of just does like a hulking thing, you know, which, which he can do, where he, which he did at Iowa a lot too, you know, where he just kind of like breaks a couple tackles and runs away. But I doubt he's going to be like schemed wide open or anything. Okay. All right. Noted. Noted. At least uh, this Vikings offense, I would expect 
scoring more touchdowns, getting in the red zone a little bit more often moving forward than what he was going to be dealing with uh, in Detroit. So maybe, maybe we start to see hockey is better for sure. Yeah. yeah. So that, sh- that should help. Um, but it, I don't think it necessarily like launches him. Uh, let's keep rolling here. Got a couple more games to get to only two games in the afternoon window uh, this coming Sunday. And as you would believe it, this game is much better. And as we expected, Going into the season, that the Rams Bucks is one that I, I don't really want to see more of it than I absolutely have to. But the Seahawks Cards game, baby, Didn't they let's just go. Play, um, they played two. This, weeks ago, this is in they? Arizona, and remember okay. Arizona that the game the total was like fifty a couple weeks ago up in Seattle. Uh, they only scored a touchdown on a blocked punt, and then they missed the extra point. I mean, the the, the offense just didn't show up in Seattle, but that. You know, that was the Marquise Brown injury game. That was the last game of DeAndre Hopkins suspension. Now they get now they're at home. They get a second crack at, at the Seattle defense. Obviously, Seattle's defense must have done something to to kind of fluster Arizona the first time around. Can Cliff make the adjustments necessary? I don't know. Uh, again, we have to give Cliff some trivial amount of credit for so much as putting DeAndre Hopkins in the slot one time in a game. Uh, let alone 15 or whatever it was. And Hopkins had another big game. He was beating uh, Cam Dantzler last week. Uh, This week, though, it's going to be interesting because if they keep DeAndre Hopkins on the left side all the time, which Cliff is still mostly doing that, then the primary matchup for Hopkins in this game is going to be Tariq Woolen. And Woolen is not as uh, polished of a corner as Dantzler. Like, Dantzler's problem is he has no tools. Like, he knows how to play corner, but he has, you know, the body of a lesser athlete. So he can only prove it so much on the field. Uh, Whereas Woolen, the concern was that he didn't know how to play corner, which allowed the NFL to let a six foot four, 205 pound corner who runs a 426 and has insane jumps uh, fall to the fifth round. So, uh, it's it's a different scenario from last week as in like kind of the opposite and it's going to be an interesting experiment i don't know which way it's going to go but hopkins is going to have to actually create some distance from woolen like this thing that he it'll work against dantzler too dantzler being merely 62 185 like hopkins can play at the rim against a guy like that it's like that guy's yeah. also going to be at the rim but hopkins can still bully him at that point He's not going to bully Woolen. Woolen's 20 pounds heavier, at least, than Dantzler and four-tenths of a second faster in the 40. So, Bully Woolen. Yeah, he needs to lose him. And I don't know. I, I, laterally, sure, but I, I don't know. I, I, especially if Woolen has, like, good intel on the route combos that Hopkins is running and, it, you know, it loses a little bit of separation, but he might recover fast enough to still get to the ball. So, uh, Cliff needs to come up with something. He can't just do the thing where he just hits play and hopes it all works, you know, like that, that's not going to cut it. Uh, it's, it tends to be all that he has and it has tended to not cut it. No, it yeah, obviously it hasn't. They've shown a little bit of, of things here and there since, you know, what I think w- will end up being the nadir of their season that, that game up in Seattle a few weeks ago, but um, you know, Seattle's still a really tough matchup for them. Uh, and you know, that, that's why the, the cards are just two point favorites at, at home. You know, it, that kind of, in today's NFL, that kind of suggests that the bookmakers view them pretty even uh, on a neutral field. I'd take Seattle to win. I mean, trap games and just like inexplicable letdowns happen, but that is precisely what it would take from Seattle. They are a much better team. They really are. 
Uh, it's it's pretty amazing. Uh, this is Pete Carroll, coach of the year. <laughs> I mean, the Seattle defense still sucks, and some of that is probably Pete's fault with whatever level of personnel input he has. But, uh, I mean, at the very least, Pete has reshaped the narrative of him as an offensive coach. Uh, like he still gets all that credit for the Legion of Boom cover three innovation at the time, but what consider the level of insight it took for Pete Carroll to know all this time what Russell Wilson was and uh, both both harbor that knowledge and keep the public from realizing just how he knew it and how sure he was of it. Uh, the only it's like the one criticism we can make of Pete Carroll at this point is that he didn't bench Wilson for Geno Smith. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, that masterful, you coward. Yeah. That, that, uh, yeah. And it, it is hilarious. Like each passing week, there's always a tweet from one of the current Seahawks players or the past ones. Uh, yeah. like even lock Tyler Lockett went a little bit scorched earth. Like it was, it's crazy. No one likes Russell Wilson. Russ is down about as bad <laughs> as you possibly can be. Justin Tucker was making fun of him on the plane ride. Like, man, you're getting clowned on by kickers. Even go goaded kickers, notwithstanding, that's still tough look. Um, Shelly wants to know if Keenan Allen is out, DJ Moore or Josh Palmer, still DJ Moore. Um, I'd go with Moore, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, one more here, uh, one start, one running back, one in the flex of uh, Ugh. Rondale, Michael Carter, or Gibson. I'd, I'm starting Gibson and Rondale. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I am too. Okay. All right. We're we're gonna burn through these last three games. Uh Bucks, Rams, Bucks, three point favorites at home against the the Rams. Both these teams extremely embattled. Uh I've, not a yeah, whole lot else I think, you can, um, can say they about both it at this are, point. They're both pretty ridiculous teams, but uh I am just I am awestruck by the cluelessness of McVeigh and the Rams uh decision makers. They don't have a clue what's going on. They don't get it. It's over. You got to start building something in the future. And they, they just don't get it. They really think we could still do something with this. If we just start benching random guys and just start putting random guys on the field, it'll all work out. No, that's what it's, loser it's, teams do. You're a loser yeah. team. You're over. Yeah. Are you in loser denial? You know, as McVeigh gets a cup of pudding dumped on his head. I don't, I, I don't know that reference, but I'll Billy Madison. Leave. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I'll hold the pudding and dump it on his head. He's going to mess with his hair gel. Um, but even still, even for as busted as the Rams appear to be, and they are, Bucks looking pretty rough for their own right. Right. Uh, so they got to, you know, not that this is easy, they have to keep Cooper Cup from going basically nuclear on them. And if they do that, that's a wrap. It's That's... There's nothing else the Rams can do. It's like even even with Van Jefferson back last week, he didn't get a target. Like I didn't, and it didn't get a catch anyway. Uh, they suck. They don't have good players. They have they've rather they have three good players. Uh, four if you include the guy who needs Tommy John, and uh, that's not enough. So I no, think it's not. Uh, Tom Brady could turn the ball over a bunch of times, but it's that's what it would take because the Tampa defense has more leverage on the Rams offense than the vice versa. So slow, ugly. Yes, probably. But Brady tends to 
you know, or at least against Stafford. It's like I can't see Brady as a greater turnover turnover liability than Stafford, especially Stafford with the elbow as it is with this crap offense as it is. And, you know, the, the Bucks defense was pretty banged up going into last week. They get the sort of mini buy. They should be a little bit healthier. Winfield um, would know, be big. I don't know if he's back, but he's he's an important. He's questionable, which is better than out. Um, so okay. he, he did not practice on, on Wednesday, however. But, um, you know, I, I think that there's still a chance. And even if he's not out there, I, I, I do like the Bucks in this setup. Uh, hit, let's hit the Sunday nighter quick. We got the Chiefs. 12 point favorites against the the Titans are the Titans in their five game win streak. Is it all because of the schedule or, or is there a little bit of something there? There's Derek Henry, you know, and a run defense, I guess. Uh, the, the Titans are not a very good team. They certainly aren't varied in their abilities. It's just the, the NFL is a terrible product this year. There's like four good teams, three good teams. Uh, there's a rather large group of mediocre teams some of which capitalize on the low level of competition more than others, but they're still mediocre teams. And uh, granted that spread is quite a bit uh, like if only because the Titans tend to run the ball enough that they could get whooped, you know, give up like 200 more yards than they accumulate themselves and still just kind of have time of possession such that you still don't get 13 points cleared at the end. Uh, But uh I don't know what their defense can do about the chiefs offense. Like I just, their, their corner personnel is rather thin. The chiefs have a, and I'm not even talking about Tony. I think, uh, Jesus Smith Schuster, Michael Hardman, Marquez Valdez, Scantling and Travis Kelsey is already enough to put the Titans in a really difficult spot in their coverage. Uh, so yeah, the, the one thing I'll say is they should, they of course should stop giving snaps to Jarek McKinnon. Just give all of them to Pacheco and Clyde Edwards. If they don't want to get Ronald Jones involved, fine, but just stop giving the ball to McKinnon that's how they end up in situations where things are needlessly difficult because they keep putting reps on the field that get no results. And it's arrogant to just keep doing that voluntarily. No, it, yeah, it, it absolutely is. A, it's you know, w- wasting snaps, valuable snaps. At, they used at, to get like three yards of snap from Spencer Ware, and now they can't get anybody to get like two yards. You know, it's ridiculous. It, it is strange, funky. Um, but I th- I like the Titans to cover here, but um, I don't feel great about it. I know that Andy Reid is you know impeccable coming off the bye, all all this and that, but um, I think the Titans are playing just well enough to to keep this one uh, re- respectable. Um, unlike they did er- earlier in the season, like it was pretty easy to spot that they were going to get destroyed by the Bills. I-, I think that they've figured some things out enough to where they they keep this one teetering on respectable. Um, let's round it out here, Mario. We got Ravens, Saints, Monday Night Football in New Orleans. Ravens, two and a half point favorites. Yeah. Um, God, I don't know. Greg Roman is such a fool that I just can't really take anything for granted with the Ravens offense and like Bateman being in this situation now. It's just sickening. Um, the Ravens should win and, you know, relatively comfortably, but it's this, this should just never really happens with them. I thought that they found something last week, especially in the second half. First half, they ran it three times, and, you know, the, the results were, were pitiful, uh, of course. They even got set up, I think, like inside the Buccaneers' 10-yard line off of a muffed punt and still didn't punch it in. But then they found the run game. It ran for like over 200 yards in the second half alone on the Bucks. 
that was impressive. And uh, I thought that Lamar Jackson, despite no Mark Andrews being out there, we finally had the Isaiah Likely breakout game. Uh, you saw Devin DuVernay continue to, to impress. Even Demarcus Robinson did a couple of things. Um, so I think that, you know, the, the way that the schedule sets up for this Ravens team right now, they don't have anyone on their schedule that is above 500 the rest of the way. Um, they're, they're obviously coming off the mini buy here. They get the buy next week as well. Then they get the Panthers. Uh, I'm going to be in the house for, for that one. Uh, and, and the Broncos. I mean, it's it sets up for Baltimore to, to kind of make a run here and put some d- distance between themselves and the Bengals. But this game, I think, is the trickiest one over this next little bit. I worry about the Broncos one because if Jiro Vero is going to put uh, Greg Roman in a lion tamer. Uh, but I think that, yeah, the, the Ravens have no good excuse for failure and they, they, they should be able to run and all that. But uh, particularly the stuff like the Demarcus Robinson plays. I know there's a tendency to, to see something like that happen and kind of be like, hey, they got something here. There's a little more than we expected here. And it's and at the time, that's how you should feel. But beyond that point, it actually means that there's bad luck coming your way because if Robinson has a good play, the odds are simply that he is not going to have another one now. Like whatever number of good plays that he has – it's a, it's a small number and no matter how much more he does over expectation uh, it just means there's that much more regression coming. Cause he's just constitutionally incapable of making certain plays reliably. And those plays were like, you know, by the skin of his teeth too, you know, he's like credit to him. He made good plays, but the issue he is he is not a talented player and it's difficult for him. He has to make, you know, heroic efforts, to get the same seven yards that Duvernay can blindfolded, you know, like it's, that's just how talent works. And uh, they, they were lucky to get those plays from Robinson and they were lucky uh, to have likely produced the way that they, that he did. They were lucky uh, that Gus Edwards was around to give them some big plays in the run game. But um, when, when some of those regressions hit, I, I do worry still because there is no reinforcement coming in. They don't, they refuse to use Tylon Wallace as a route runner, even though he would for sure automatically get them more yards per route than Demarcus Robinson would. Uh, they don't seem to be able to negotiate these approaches. And uh, when it comes to needing to make an adjustment in game, practically all that that leaves the Ravens with is they start running less and start throwing more with what is supposed to be run personnel. And Lamar is effectively hung out to dry in that case. And, you know, the people who are football illiterate watch that and go like, oh, I told you he couldn't pass. Like, When have you seen a 300-pounder in trips formation lining up at receiver and running a route other than with this Greg Roman offense quickly I can just say you you haven't seen it before you will never see it again it will never happen that's what Lamar is up against and it it, when they fall behind it's a death sentence would your mind change on Patrick Ricard if I told you that he dressed up as Robert Smith from the cure for Halloween I mean He's got to do believe something cool to make up for all those racist tweets, I suppose. Uh, but oh, mm. yeah, he has some bad ones. Some bad, oh no! Uh, when he was at Delaware or whatever, Maine, uh, place, Maine, Maine. Yeah. same thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it, 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 Ricard is a good player. To be serious, the problem is Greg Roman has an offensive philosophy such that he goes, "It's fine to have a trips formation where one guy is a three hundred pounder that you just moved from defensive tackle two years ago." And uh, one of the other ones is Nick Boyle, 
and the receiver is Demarcus Robinson. Like that's a play they'll actually run. And when Lamar gets sacked or throws the ball away, Greg Roman's like, well, what the hell happened? What went wrong there? Like I could have told you before the snap, it was dead. The, my thing is like that, that for better, or for worse, they're going to have to use Demarcus Robinson for this next little bit, because I, I do think, unfortunately, like he's better than Tylen Wallace. I, I, but it's I don't just know as a blocker. That's what Rome. That's why Roman was able to pick off of, uh, Oakland, uh, Las Vegas waivers, Demarcus Robinson, who was in final cuts. And he just, he's like, I know you don't even know the system. I don't need you to know the system. I just want you to go out there and block. And for some reason, it's important to me that this rep is a wide receiver rather than a tight. They would have been better off just having Nick Boyle run the Demarcus Robinson snaps because yeah, you're doing nothing as a pass catcher, the same as Robinson, but at least you have an actual blocking advantage. Like it's, there's not been a single play this year where they were like, Oh my God, Demarcus Robinson's block made it all happen. That's not a thing. It's just Greg Roman fixating on optics that ultimately don't mean anything. Uh, but anyway, if they put Wallace at outside receiver, I'm telling you, they're going to get more yards for it. But Roman won't do it because he's skinny, basically. I'd, I mean, I'd love to see it. Um, and, you know, with, with Bateman out, that they kind of have the luxury of oh, man, checking out. on Crochet out there. That's the one thing I'll say. Is like, I, I'd rather have, like, Wallace in the slot and, and Robinson outside than Prochet in the slot and Robinson outside. Yeah, my, my, my optimism on Prochet uh, has, has failed me. But um, you know what? I, I, there's a, there's something going on here. I think that they, they figured something out in the second half. We'll see if they can continue it or if that was more just about the Buccaneers uh, being wilting. But I don't know. There, there are shades of... 2019 in the sense where they didn't really figure it out until close to to this point in the season had the impressive win out in Seattle had the bye the following week and then got red hot down the stretch I'm not saying that that's going to happen but I'm not not saying it either and this, this is the first optimistic things I've said about the Ravens literally all year so I, don't know, uh, I must I must push back then even so no I, I just uh, I hope I hope your optimism turns out to be warranted I just uh, feel like we've seen this before and uh, Greg Roman when he has his good stretches it's not because he's ever doing anything different it's because he's doing the same thing as ever and it just started working better for some reason and that for some reason always dries up eventually so sure. especially in yeah. the playoffs. I mean, you can you can draw up like you know the the path last week where like his plan going into the game was moronic, and it went so bad that they had to change to to you know plan B, and it worked. So it seems like his plan A. If he could ever get the right plan A, yeah, it'd be a it'd be a game changer. But that doesn't really seem to, and and I'm I'm not saying that the that Baltimore is going to you know seriously challenge Kansas City or, or Buffalo, but. You know that someone has to be they the have, best team in the AFC. They have a former MVP quarterback who won it at 22. They should be able to do those things. It should be yeah. like median range outcome as they're doing those things. And yet here we are acting like if, if, if the planets align just right. Oh, well. yep. so, Greg, well. you you bastard. <laughs> I suppose oh, there's nothing man. I can do about it. But if I could, know that I would. Uh, um. All right, that's going to wrap things up for us here. On the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast again, Brennan or uh, presented by our friends over at No House Advantage. Real quick, Mario, all glut, all guts, all glory type of pick here. Georgia or Tennessee this weekend? One versus Georgia, two. John. Let's go. It's National clearly. champs. We're running it back. That's gonna do it for us here. Catch you next week. 
Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try.